Welcome to the Top Business Leaders Podcast. You'll learn how successful people just like you have grown their businesses, expanded their influence, and made money by writing a book. On each episode, you'll learn the inside secrets to help you create a book that can serve as a powerful marketing tool to skyrocket your business. I'm your host, Dan Janelle. I help thought leaders, business executives, and entrepreneurs write their books. To find out more and to download our show notes, go to topbusinessleaders.com. Welcome, everyone. I'm delighted to welcome our guest today, Roger Firestein. Thank you, Dan. It's a pleasure to be here. Great. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Well, Dan, thank you. I'm the senior faculty member at the Center for Applied Imagination at SUNY Buffalo State in uh, Buffalo, New York, which is uh, the organization that grants the only master of science degree in creativity and innovation in the world. We've been doing that since the uh, mid-70s. Uh, I've also worked with about 600 organizations nationally and internationally. And and as we were doing some marketing research a number of years ago, we found out that I've trained more people to actually lead the creative process than anyone else in the world. And I think that's by the mere fact that I've been in, in this business for so long. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's great to have an expert like you. And it's only fitting that you have a book called Create in a Flash. Yes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so let's talk about the creative process. Uh, a lot of our listeners are thinking about the whole idea of writer's block and where do I get ideas. So my clients are either saying, I have too many ideas or I don't have enough ideas. So let's delve into all aspects of idea creation. If you don't have ideas, how can you get ideas? Well, that's a fantastic question. And there's a couple of things that I recommend. First, one of the things that often tends to happen is that when we come up with an idea or two, we immediately judge that idea. So the first thing I'd say uh, to your listeners is to separate the generation of those ideas from those evaluations. Sort of like, Dan, let's, let's separate the writer's mind from the editor's mind. And this is not only in, in generating ideas for, for books, uh, for articles, those sorts of things, but it's generating ideas for any sort of problem that you want to solve. So what we recommend is to generate... 30, 40 ideas um, for book titles, book, uh, uh, book topics. And what we'll generally tend to find is that those ideas will tend to break out into what we call a one-third, one-third, one-third pattern. So about the first third of the ideas, first 10 to 12 ideas, these are the ideas that people have thought of before. Those are going to be your usual ideas. What often happens is you don't go beyond those usual ideas. So that's why it's important to stretch and, and uh, go to come up another third of ideas. So we find about the ideas 50, uh, 12 to 15 tend to loosen up. They'd be a little crazier than after, after that. 12, I'm just mean 12 to 25. After idea 25 to 30 or 40, that's where the innovative ideas come, the real nuances, the new approaches. And those, uh, those innovative ideas are built on those crazy, goofy ideas that occurred before. So the key is, if you're sitting around generating 10 or 12 ideas for topics that you want to work on for book titles, uh, and you think you're getting creative, you're not. Uh, you're only coming up with those ideas that are already rumbling around in people's heads. The creativity comes in the stretch. The innovation comes in the stretch. And that's one particular technique that I can give your, your listeners about first generate those ideas, then evaluate those ideas. We have some other techniques that we can talk about later if you'd like to do that as well. Sure, that's great. You know, sometimes my clients have the exact opposite problem. They have too many ideas, 
for a book and they have to limit it down. Now you've been teaching creativity for many, many years and worked with many great companies and helped them uh, with their creativity. You, and then you decide to write another book. How did you decide what to put in this book and what to leave out of this book? Well, Dan, that's a very good question. And let me go back to your book, uh, write your book in a flash. Um, as we mentioned before, I think we've talked about this out of, off the podcast. It's been 20 years since I wrote my latest book. And when I sat down to write this, um, I came across your book and read it thoroughly uh, back and forth and, and, and underlined it. And I'm looking at it right now <laughs> on my bookshelf and it's dog-eared and, and tabbed. But I think the thing that's so important, particularly in the writing process that you've done in your book, is write that executive summary first. What's the vision? What do you want to give to the people that are reading your book? And when I wrote that down, what that did was that guided the rest of the things that would go into the book. And one of the things that I had the vision about creating a flash, a leader's recipe for breakthrough innovation, is that it was going to be the go-to creativity tools and techniques that I've used in my 40 years in the business. The other thing that I wanted to do is I wanted to make it a beautiful book. And as you know, being involved with the writing process with this, we hired an art director to illustrate it and do all those sorts of things. So first, I would say, you know, establish in the creativity business, what's the goal, the wish, the vision that you want to create for the book? And in your, in, 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 in your book writing uh, arena, it's what do you want to give to that reader? So that executive summary is crucial. That's going to guide the rest of the ideas that tend to go into the book. Great advice. Um, but, you know, books are getting smaller and smaller each year. And there's only so much you can put into a book before you start losing people's interests or before they start saying, this book is too thick. I don't think I can get through it. So we have to winnow down to our best ideas. How do you advise your clients and how did you do this for your own book of saying, you know, there are so many things I could put in here, but I have to limit it to this. How did you decide what to put in? Yeah, well, there's actually a process for doing that. And so if we were to take it to the level of working with clients on solving a large challenge, let's say, for example, you put all your ideas on a post-it note. People are doing that pretty regularly, all right? One idea proposed to put all those ideas up on the wall so you can review everything all at once. Then we do a process called highlighting. And the first thing you do is you mark the hits. And these are the ideas that are interesting, that are intriguing, that might solve the problem, that sparkle at you, that form a new direction. And you can mark as many, as many of those as you'd like. Once you've marked those hits, then group them together into some themes, themes that really, where those hits tend to relate to each other. And then you can label those themes as a category to build from. So in that way, you can take a list of, say, 100 ideas which is not uncommon in an idea-generating session where you have well-trained folks, and move those ideas to maybe, say, five to seven to ten categories. From those categories, then, you can begin to distill out those key things that you want to put into the book. And what we did in the book also is we said, what are the, I was focusing on what are the four or five key things that you need to do to get creative that people have been using consistently over the years based on our impact. We put those in. And then made sure that for each technique, we had illustrations to, to illustrate as well. So um, two things. One, first generate all those ideas and then gently converge on them. Interesting, intriguing, group them together into themes, build those themes. And then of those themes, go ahead and, and then develop your concepts out of that. But it's also just key to diverge out as much as you can 
And then don't just pick one idea. See how those ideas tend to group together into themes. Great advice. You mentioned the visual aspect and the artistic aspect of the book. Tell us a little bit more about what you mean by that and can you give us some examples from your book. Yes, Dan, thank you for that. Well, here's a story behind that. Uh, when I wrote my second book, Leading on the Creative Edge, and that was about 20 years ago now, um, I gave the book to my father to read it. And uh, I'd written a short book before that called Why Didn't I Think of That? And Dad was reading Leading on the Creative Edge, and he got about, and so I called him. Dad's a farmer in Colorado. I said, Dad, how'd you like the book? And he goes, well, it was pretty good. I read the first 20 pages, and then I fell asleep. Where are the pictures? <laughs> <laughs> And so the thing about my father, he was a farmer. He was a visual learner. And so we learned so much more rather than just reading. We learned through listening. We learned through smells and tastes and things. Well, I decided that we were going to do visual illustrations in the book to illustrate some of the concepts. So, for example, one of the concepts that we have is the invention of the Nike, uh, Nike waffle trainer, the first Nike shoe. Well, the inspiration for that was a waffle. And we have a page with a, with a, with a, a, a Nike shoe and a waffle on it. Um, uh, we have a page where we talk about, um, uh, about the behaviors of a leader. We use the phrase a toxic leader um, because the book really has a focus on leadership. So one of the pages is a real provocative page of this leader fellow on the edge of a dock pouring toxic waste into this beautiful mountain lake. You don't even have to read this stuff on the left side of the, of the, of the uh, fold of the, of the spread to see the, the point that we're trying to put across there. So what happens is, is that uh, people will flip through the book and they'll say, well, that's interesting. Also, Dan, to your point, as far as, as far as uh, uh, shorter books, the book is about 150 pages long, but half of it is, is photographs. So those photographs or those pictures, excuse me, illustrations uh, form real short, short chapters of two and four pages. I don't think there's any chapter that's more than four pages. So this book, you can pick it up, put it down, pick it up and put it down. So I guess what I would say to readers is, and our concept behind it was, this is going to be something that you could pick up, read for a little bit, put it away, uh, pick it back up again, and you don't have to read it right in chronological order. Um, and the readers that have been reading it so far have, have been real pleased with it so far. So I guess one of the things we played around with was, and I haven't seen a format quite like this before, is we played around with the format. We challenged the original way that we look at a book and say, well, what if we just started in the middle and went back and forth from there? So I would say for your, for your readers to challenge the, the definition of, of, of books today. Great advice. You know, I've, I've, one of my clients actually told me to read another book uh, called uh, Expert Secrets by Russell Brunson. And I said, what do you like about the book? And he said, well, I really like the tone of the book, but I also like the fact that he has all these line drawings and pictures and mm. cartoons in the book that illustrate what he's trying to say. And uh, I bought the book, and it really is a great, great book. It's probably one of the best marketing books I've ever read. But one of the things that really got me was those pictures because mm -hmm. I learned on a different level. Now, yes. for example, there's there's a guy named M Michael Hogue who uh, teaches screenwriting, and he's been hired by many Hollywood producers and actors to punch up their scripts and stuff, so he really knows what he's talking about. Mm -hmm. And he's written a book, and I read his book, and I've been at a seminar. I spoke at a conference where we both were speaking, so I've, mm -hmm. I've heard him teach his process. And this uh, author, Russell Brunson, is one of his clients, and he explained how Michael teaches the the hero's journey and writing stories and mm -hmm. such like that. And I have to say, Russell taught Michael's work better than Michael taught Michael's work 
because he used those pictures and illustrations. And it really blew me away that I learned on a much different level and it reinforced those pictures, reinforced the words. So I can't wait to see your book and see how you've used pictures and photographs and illustrations to illustrate your concepts as well. Because I, I think you're, you're right. There are people who learn by reading and there are people who learn by, or rather who are turned off by long walls of dark text, which is 99.9% of all books. I think Jeffrey Gittimer also does a wonderful job in using large type and white space and illustrations and other ideas to just, you know, shock people <laughs> into paying attention so they don't fall asleep after 20 pages like your father. If your father can't read your book, I mean, wow, that's... Uh, <laughs> yeah, come on, Dad, yeah. And, that, that's and, and I love the line of, of, of walls of type, you know. And so what we did was we wanted, every, we wanted people to be delighted when they turned the page. So the one page you see a robot coming at you, another page you see Einstein's picture, another page you see a a bunch of colorful umbrellas. Another page you see a dog. Um, you know, another page you see a, a, a truck. Uh, <laughs> okay. And and those are all illustrations, and they illustrate stories around this. And it's just, I think readers today want to be delighted. Um, I know you and I both share this concern about we don't want to write boring books uh, or, or books that aren't interesting or books that are tomes. And unfortunately, a lot of people in my academic field tend to write books that just are so difficult to read. Um, and, and folks aren't there anymore. And, and so I, I, I sort of lose my patience with folks that, mm -hmm. that write books have, that have walls of text. That's easy. I mean, when you start to pull things apart and really look at how you can illustrate this, what's the imagery behind you can do it, it helps the writer to think differently. And I also really think it, it uh, helps the reader to think a lot differently, too. Definitely. Now I'm curious, did that add, did those pictures add to the production cost of your book? Yes, they did. Yes. Significantly. Yes. <laughs> Significantly. Okay. <laughs> Just to put it in perspective here. Now yes. we're not talking about line drawings here. We're talking about photographs and four color and such like it, that. It's four color. The book is four color and I can't wait for you to see it. As a matter of fact, I think we just uh, put it in the post today. Uh, we have photographs. We also, Dan, with the book, uh, we have 20 videos that illustrate uh, the techniques that we teach in the book. I didn't want this to be a training manual. And so as we go through the book, we show some icons that refer the reader. Hey, if you want to look more about this, um, go ahead and look at these videos. The videos are, for, are free, uh, and they can be found at createinaflashbook.com or on my website. We can talk more about that later. But the book is um, is you know, 150 pages, but it also says there's there's 20 videos that support it. And it is mostly four color. It is a four color book. And um, so that did add to the cost of it significantly. But the whole vision of this was to make sure that it was a book that was delightful, that people enjoyed reading, that they wanted to pick it up. And so we were willing to pay the price to do that. Great. And is this a self-published book? Uh, as a matter of fact, a company called Green Tractor Publishing publishes it. And the story behind this is... Um, I went around shopping for publishers, and they were pretty reluctant to uh, publish a four-color book because it was so expensive to produce. So I said, well, the heck with it. Um, I had a little LLC that was available called Green Tractor, so I started my own company. And so, <laughs> so uh, and it's a, an official company. It's out there. You can uh, find it. And so we might start to publish a few books or two, a few boutique books. <laughs> that, that's great. You know, I love how you use those videos as a way to draw people back to your website and engage with you beyond the book. Tell us more about your marketing plans and how you hope to use the book 
for your marketing or how your how your previous books have helped you with your marketing and getting new clients? Yeah, I guess you know to speak about this book, we're, we're what we're doing right now is we are at conferences. Um, we are uh, providing some free copies to folks. Um, we're seeding the, the environment with the hope that folks are going to pick this up. They're going to read it and say, hey, we need to have a lot more of these in our organization. But my whole thing around these books is that the book is, and I believe you said this, is a really top-end business card. And so when somebody reads my book, they're going to say, well, this is great. Love the book. Let's get Roger in to talk about it. Um, Because as most of us know, nonfiction books don't make a tremendous amount of money. But what they do do is they provide an entree for speakers, trainers like myself to come in and and to to make the funds, uh, make the fees that way. So my plan is um, we're at a, at a number of major conferences where people that are coming from universities, from professional settings, they're going to be receiving the book. I'll be doing some talks there as well. So I'm seeding the ground with that. Um, other things that we're doing as well is that um, we're getting these in the university settings. Um, because of my position at the university, I have students that are now teaching at other universities. And so they've picked up the book and and they're using it. So uh, Western Oregon University has picked up the book and, and a number of other universities are looking at it. And it's just come out. And so we're delighted to kind of see how it's going to how it's going to get out there, how it's, how it's going to, to produce. But our thing is we're going to take a proactive approach. We're going after the key people that we know are going to probably buy multiple copies of the book. You raise an interesting point that I don't think I've asked in any of my other interview subjects, and this is maybe number 30 of my top of my interviews. Okay, I'm honored. <laughs> and, and, and that is like, how do you get your book to be adopted by a college professor? Because that mm-hmm. could lead to multiple sales over multiple years. How do you crack the university market? Well, fortunately, I live in the university market. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so I have a bit of an advantage there because oftentimes the folks that take my graduate classes are working professionals out in the field and they come back to the Center for Applied Imagination to pick up some more skills to add to their toolkit of skills. And so my book this year um, is, is, is a required reading for the introductory course, but I also show the videos and stuff as well. So they're actually using the book and the videos as they're taking the course with me. Other folks that have been through the, my courses before are picking up the book now. You know, the, the Western Oregon University is a case of the, one of the professors there has has uh, been in my courses, was anxious to see the book when it came out, saw the book, loved the book, and now has adopted it for classes. So it is a matter of I, I, is finding them where they're at. And for me, they essentially come to us for more training. They use the book as a textbook. They say, this is a great textbook. I want to go out and use this in my uh, classes and stuff as well. But I guess to, to say for other readers, it would be, you know, find those and, and it, it's it's this is really targeted. So I, I guess, you know, Dan, as we think about this, these are people that have said, we're going to spend money and tuition to learn about innovation and creativity. We're going to a place that has a reputation for this. Um, we're going to work with top people in the field. We're going to get a book that uh, that we can use and then also use with our students as well. So I would say, you know, this is pretty much, you know, one-on-one sort of thing. So you really got to get to the people that are using the books. And that happens through networking, through conversations. And one of the conferences that um, I'll be speaking at, the Southern Oregon University Creativity Conference in uh, July, we'll be having, we'll have the book there. 
And these folks are university professors, uh, researchers, those sorts of things. They'll get their hands on the book. They'll read the book. They'll say, hey, this is great because this is a complete curriculum that I can use to teach a graduate or an undergraduate class. So that was a purpose, once again, Dan, behind the videos is you have a complete curriculum here that you can use. There's downloadable PDFs and everything uh, to be able to use it in not only your corporate setting, but also in your university settings as well. So that's the approach that I've used. And um, because I've been in the industry so long, I can pretty much like target the people that are using this stuff. It's, it's great to have that advantage. I'm wondering about the timeline for that. Uh, let's say you do a course and a professor says, hey, this is great. I want to use this in my class. What would be the timeline? Would it just go into like the next quarter and as fast as that? Or is there a longer adoption process? Well, I can tell you, we did beta copies of this book, um, which were based on your advice. Let's do a beta copy first, which is not the final book. But let's send it out and have people review it. So this professor said... Uh, she reviewed it. She said, this book is great. I want to use it in my classes. So as soon as the book is ready, and this is great, as soon as the book is ready, ship it to me. So her classes started in September. We uh, released the book in September. The first books off the press went to her classes. Um, so, so, that's the, so I would say that's pretty unusual. But it can be that quick. I mean, so somebody could pick up the book and say, um, in let's say for let's say they've read the book in May, we want to use this in fall, they can pick it up in a, in, a, in a period of months and it's in a university system and you're going through folks like Barnes & Noble bookstores and, and Amazons and so the sales cycle on that can be amazingly fast because folks are looking for stuff that young readers and, and professionals want to read that's interesting, that's fun. Um, rather than this really, really thick stuff. And, you know, some of my colleagues in the business have written beautiful books, but uh, one per, in particular, it took me a week to get through it, and I'm in the business. <laughs> it was great, but there's not a lot of people that are going to have the patience to take a week to go through a book. You know, you can get through my book in about two hours. You know? Great. Roger, as we wrap up here, why don't you tell people how they can get uh, in touch with you and how they can order your book? Uh, both places, you can go to my website, rogerfierstein.com, and that's F-I-R-E-S-T-I-E-N. Um, also, when you go to rogerfierstein.com, there's a tab that says Create in a Flash Book. Just go over to that, and that's where you'll find the 20 videos that are free. And whether you buy the book or not, we hope you buy the book, you can use those videos um, in your organization because they illustrate the entire creative process me facilitating the group and also interviews with people that are using this that appear in the book. So Roger Firestein, F-I-R-E-S-T-I-E-M.com. Well, thanks, Roger, and thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to Top Business Leaders, the only podcast that shows you exactly how people just like you have built their businesses by writing a book. If you'd like to write your book but don't know where to start, you can find great information at writeyourbookinaflash.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week with another insightful interview to help you become a top business leader.